0: Let's open our Bibles to Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. I hope that uh, you enjoyed Isaiah 60, and I hope you understood Isaiah 60, and I hope you understood all the groundwork that was laid for us to understand Isaiah 61 and 62. I'm not going to preach them both right now, but uh, we will cover the 11 verses of 61. We don't need to take very long. The last thing I want to do right now is undo or distract from the 75 minutes I took on Isaiah chapter 60. I took longer, and I thank you for your kind attention to the more time spent on Isaiah chapter 60. We laid a, fr- a framework for understanding these three chapters that now we can look at, and they, they should be rather easy to understand. You know, our, our mental abilities and our heart's affection are limited and they vary from rams to lambs with ewes in between. And rams hate clocks and just wish I would go. And I un- I understand that because I get to study that way. But there's lambs and there's ewes. And we don't need to take that long here on chapter 61 because I don't want you to forget what we covered in chapter 60. And I hope that you were paying attention, as we're supposed to in the New Testament especially, to the words of the songs that we have sung this day. The songs that we have sung this day fit Isaiah 60 and 61 so well. I hope you enjoyed singing Old Testament terminology for New Testament spiritual religion. You did it over and over again, and you don't have a problem with it. And we shouldn't have a problem when we look at a chapter like this. We are not premillennialists. We are not Zionists. We are not looking for some millennial kingdom that will fulfill these chapters. The apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ said these chapters and these events were fulfilled in the New Testament by the gathering of the Gentiles to the churches of Jesus Christ. Isaiah 61. Isaiah and Jesus, but primarily Jesus, would declare peace to captives of two sorts and the kingdom would be glorified because we're going to start off with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to fulfill them in Luke chapter 4, and I hope you're familiar with that passage. It is one of the sweet passages about Jesus in the New Testament. Luke chapter 4, where he returned to his hometown, went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, stood up at the opportune time to read Scripture. He chose Isaiah 61 to read it, and then he sat down and graciously said, This day... Have these words been fulfilled in your ears? And after a couple of minutes of doctrine from him, they led him to the brow of a hill to try to kill him because he brought in distinguishing grace of our God. But the miracles of Elijah and Elisha were done with foreigners. What's a foreigner called in the Bible? A Gentile rather than Jews. And that violently upset them. Okay, Isaiah 61, the first three verses. The first three verses of Isaiah 61, God's Messiah, by the Spirit, would preach peace. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, And the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. God did these things for the Jewish church. God sent his Son Jesus and anointed him with the Holy Spirit without measure for the benefit of the Jewish church, that God might be glorified. Everything in the universe, including Jesus Christ, points to the glory of God. The Lord hath made all things for himself. Proverbs 16:4. And for his pleasure, they are and were created, Revelation 4.11. So here we are, Jesus stood up, read these verses, and he ended after the first clause of verse 2, where it says, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's where Jesus ended, in the day of vengeance of our God. He chose by the Spirit not to bring up that little P.S. in his hometown of Nazareth, because they didn't deserve that element of truth and warning of what was coming. He preached that later many times, like Matthew 24 and Matthew 16, 27, and, and Luke chapter 23 on the way to Calvary, when he spoke to the women, women and said, if they do these things in a green tree, what is it going to be like in a dry? You shouldn't be weeping for me. You should be weeping for your children. Jesus did announce the day of vengeance of the Roman armies destroying the nation of israel and destroying the men that killed him he preached it many times but this is that's where he cut off but let's go back up into verse one the spirit of the lord god is upon me jesus was given the spirit without measure the lord almighty told john the baptist when you see the spirit of god descending and staying upon someone that's the son of god and so john baptizes his cousin jesus of nazareth And the Spirit came down and stayed on him, and John said, Behold the Lamb of God. And you know there was a transition right then by some of the disciples of John to want to follow the Lord Jesus. That took place at the baptism of our Lord Jesus Christ. That blessing of the Spirit of God, remember the great mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit proved that Jesus was the Son of God, by his preaching impeccable, by impeccable truth without error, and by all the signs and wonders he was able to do. And, so, and then raised him from the dead. The Bible tells us in Romans 1-4 that Jesus was raised from the dead by the Spirit of holiness. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. God has sent me to preach good news, glad tidings, the gospel. That's what gospel means. Good spell in old English of good news, good tidings, glad tidings, God's anointed me to preach that, and he has given me the spirit to enable me to do it. And so Jesus, blessed with the Holy Ghost, Peter discusses it with Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 2 describes Jesus with the Holy Ghost, preaching the gospel, which was better than anything the Jews had ever heard from Moses. It was was tremendous that they heard. And we cannot let those things slip. Paul exhorted the Jews, don't let them slip, because if the Jews were punished for neglecting Moses' religion, how much worse is it going to be if we neglect the religion of God speaking to us on earth, God coming down from heaven and speaking to us on earth. And so this description here is the preaching ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He brought good news to the meek. Those are the humble ones of the earth. The meek is a word describing God's elect. It... God, Jesus brought the message of the truth for them. The others, it hardened, and, he, and it turned them away. In John 6, when Jesus taught hard doctrine, and the apostles told him it was hard, the, the, the apostles loved it. Peter ended that discussion in John chapter 6, saying some wonderful things about the Lord Jesus Christ. To whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, because that's what Jesus was preaching. But the other Jews, they turned away and left and departed from him. Because he wasn't continuing to feed them a free lunch. And he was preaching some hard things. That except they ate the flesh of the Son of God and drank his blood, they had no life in them. And that was hard doctrine. But he didn't come for them. He came for the minority. He came for the, the seed. He came for the tenth of the nation, the elect portion. He came to bind up the brokenhearted. Those that were brokenhearted spiritually, he would bind them up. He would have good news for the meek. He would proclaim liberty to those that were captives. And he would open prison to them that are bound. He delivered us from the prison of the strong man because he was the stronger man. Amen. These are spiritual terms of spiritual deliverance. If you want a deliverance program, you need to have preaching of the gospel. You don't need to play any other games. Deliverance is by preaching the gospel. Because if a person's going to be delivered, it's going to be the, by the power of the Holy Spirit accompanying the preached. Word of God. It's the spirit in the word again. Verse 2, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That year is a period of time. And this passage is quoted in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And Jesus used this. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. That's the gospel era. It's describing the gospel era. We don't need, you don't need to look for anything else, Jews. I'm here. Amen. I'm here. The promised son is here. The seed of the woman is here. The seed of Abraham is here. The Shiloh of Judah is here. The son of David is here. You don't need to look elsewhere or wait. Waiting's over. Morning has ended. We sang that in our songs. And we have read it already in chapter 60. And the day of vengeance of our God, that's coming as well. John the Baptist, his first words that we read in Matthew chapter 3, Immediately, he looks at those Jews and he said, Who hath warned you, the Pharisees, to flee from the wrath to come? What are you doing out here? There's wrath coming. The one, the one that's coming after me is greater than me. I'm not worthy to unloose his shoes. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost, day of Pentecost, and he's going to baptize you with fire, and that is not those tongues of fire on their head at Pentecost. Baptism with fire was burning their city up, as he promised them later in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. To comfort all that mourn. He came to comfort all that mourn, to have good tidings for the meek, and so forth. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. He had an appointment to give them something, a fulfillment of prophecies, to give unto them beauty for ashes, instead of sitting in sackcloth and ashes, mourning about their sins. Because here's something about Moses' religion. It never made their consciences clear. Right. Right. Hebrews chapters 9 and 10 tell us very clearly the Old Testament religion never cleared consciences. It sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, meaning that they could go on living, working, eating, sleeping, living, working, eating, sleeping, and he wouldn't kill them. So it's sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. But as far as clearing their mind... And have, so that they could have a good conscience, the Old Testament didn't do it. That's what the gospel does. That's how the gospel comes and comforts mourners who know they're sinners and wonder how they're going to be covered because they know the blood of an ox doesn't do it. But the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ did it. And so they're mourning. And so there's there's figurative, there's figurative and literal language here of ashes being replaced with beauty. When you have sat in ashes or you've put ashes on yourself in an Old Testament ritual of adding to your fasting, you look terrible. But the Lord gives us beauty. So we get to come in here fresh-faced and excited because we're not mourning and we're not covered with ashes. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, to give unto them the oil of joy for mourning. If you were mourning, you didn't use oil. That was a dry climate. You put oil on your face. And so if you were going to be mourning, if you were going to be fasting, you didn't anoint yourself with oil. That is why Jesus told them, listen, the Pharisees have made a big deal about fasting in public. So when you men fast, I want you to go ahead and anoint yourselves. Anoint yourselves with oil so that when you're in public, you don't appear like you're fasting. I'm just chasing that to help you understand the wording here. But the Lord says, listen, in my my religion, I've done all the mourning in Gethsemane. I did the mourning on the cross. I've paid for your sins and I've risen from the dead. It's time for you to have... Let's just call it the, what, the, the oil of joy. Let's just rub some oil of joy on your faces. And let's wear the garment of praise. Don't wear sackcloth. Do you see these... Comp- wear, wear the garment of praise. Be excited about what I've done for you. That they might be called trees of righteousness. Here's a transformation of the Jewish church from mourning, sad, sackcloth, ashes destitute obscure persecuted imprisoned captive released they have an edomite as their king what does he say to them they look like they now look like the trees of righteousness the planting of the lord we had the planting of the lord in Isaiah chapter 60 the planting of the lord that he might be glorified It's all to the glory of God that through His Son Jesus Christ and the message that Jesus Christ brought, He is the light of the world. He was the light of the Jews. He came unto His own. His own received Him not. But some of us Gentiles did receive Him. And He's the light of the world. He's been the light of our souls. He has lit up our lives by His gospel. His gospel, the good news of what God has done for us through Him. And He sits in heaven coming for us soon. And we shall inherit the universe with him. That's the first lesson. That shouldn't be difficult. It goes along with Isaiah chapter 60. And Jesus read half of it and said, This day are these words fulfilled. We understand Isaiah 60, 61 and 62 correctly that they were fulfilled by the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ at his first coming. Not his second coming. Not a millennial kingdom of the Jews. No, this is the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we come to verse 4. Verses 4 through 6. The restoration of Judah to include the Gentiles. Verse 4. And they shall build the old wastes. And they shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. And strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of the alien shall be your plowmen and your vine dressers. But ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. This is the explosion of the Jewish church by Gentiles being added to them and building back up the kingdom that was destroyed, desolated, and wasted. And we are not talking about a literal city with literal rubble because the rubble had done that 450 years earlier. We are talking about the building up of the kingdom of David that was lying in disrepair because the sons of David were not on the throne, but the sons of David still existed. And Jesus was the son of David two ways. Jesus was the son of David legally through his father Joseph. Jesus was the son of David biologically through his mother. His legal genealogy is given in Matthew chapter 1 through Joseph. His biological genealogy through Mary is given in Luke chapter 3 through two different sons of David. Through Solomon in Matthew chapter 1, the king, and through Nathan, another son of Bathsheba, in Luke chapter 3. And so David had split. And so Jesus... You know, they were distant cousins. Right? Joseph and Mary, very distant. The point being that Jesus was the son of David. And so I just read these verses to you. Now verse 4, you want a simple explanation for verse 4? Turn over to Acts chapter 15 and it'll be verse 16. Acts 15. I know that when you look at Isaiah 61 and verse 4, it may trouble you. What wastes were built up? What was that? Sounds like the remnant under Nehemiah and Ezra that had come back from Babylon. But no, let's go to Acts 15 and the Council of Jerusalem, where they were dealing with Gentile conversions. And I can't, I don't have time to read all this. I've done it before. Acts 15, and James explains, verse 15. And to this agree the words of the prophets, Amos 9, but many other prophets, plural, preached the same lesson. To this agree the words of the prophets, as it is written, after this I will return and will build again the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and I will build again the ruins thereof, and I will set it up. James said, this is the fulfillment of that right here. What you just heard from Peter about the conversion of Cornelius' household and what you heard from Paul and Barnabas about the conversion of many Gentiles, it's right here being fulfilled. And you look at verse 16 and you say, but it's in the future tense. It's in the future tense because Amos wrote it. And Amos did write it before Jesus Christ by several hundred years. It's only in the future tense because of Amos. It's present tense because James said, this is the fulfillment of it. Brethren, the scriptures told us about this event and we should be celebrating it. Back to Isaiah 60. What did it say? I will raise up the waste places of David, the tabernacle that is broken down. Did it say that over there? Well, here that's the explanation of it. Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 4. The kingdom was greatly deteriorated. It didn't matter. Forget the city of Jerusalem. Its walls were Herod. Herod had added to that second temple until it was magnificent. It was one of the wonders of the world. Titus put his soldiers under orders that they would not torch that temple. He wanted to preserve that temple. It was beautiful. Herod had added fortresses to it. It was huge. And he had added to the walls of Jerusalem. That's not the point here. The point is the rebuilding of the kingdom itself in the spiritual kingdom and the spiritual reign of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of David. Verse 5, And strangers, our Gentiles shall stand and feed your flocks. You're going to have Gentiles jumping right in with you to keep up a church. Look at the church at Rome. Paul had to write Romans 14 because he had a divided church. On the right hand were all the Jews. On the left hand were all the Gentiles. As soon as it was break time, the Gentiles were scarfing down pepperoni pizzas. I kid you not. Go read Romans chapter 14 to see if you don't see that clearly. He had a divided church. Okay, no pepperoni pizza. But there was meats and drinks and everything that was bothering them and separating them, but they were being brought together. And as soon as they heard the news of Paul, and as soon as they got Romans 14, they were at peace, just like our church. Our church varies on so many things, from family to family, it scares me sometimes. Some of you have deep convictions about things, and you just let it go when you come in here. I let it go, too. And you let it go about me, and we just trust the Lord that way. And so we've come together, Gentiles and Jews. Verse, that's what verse 5 of Isaiah 61, we're all going to jump in together. They're going to use what they can do to help. They're willing to be servants in the church. Verse 6, they're willing to be servants, but the Jews weren't servants. Notice what the Jews were. The, what are the Gentiles when it says, but ye shall be named? Who named them that? The Gentiles called them that. They wanted to hear from a Jew. They wanted a Jew to preach to them. They didn't want some Gentile to preach to them yet. They wanted a Jew. But ye shall be named the priest of the Lord. Does the Bible tell us in First Peter chapter 2, when Peter is writing to scattered Jews in Paul's area of Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, does he tell them that they are a royal? Oh, thank you, brethren. We, all we got to do is read the Bible and see how it all fits together. Ye shall be named the priests of the Lord. Men shall call you the ministers of our God. Ye shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, and in their glory shall ye boast yourselves. They're going to support you in the ministry. They're going to pay you because they want you to preach to them. You're going to be their priests and their ministers. And you're going to boast at seeing the numbers of them converted and that they love the religion that you have to share with them. You're going to, Go read Acts 15 that council was excited about the numbers that had been brought in, first through Peter's uh, encounter in chapter 10 of Acts with Cornelius and then Paul and Barnabas, especially in chapters 13 and 14 as they traveled on their first preaching trip and all the Gentiles that were converted. Later, in Acts chapter 21, Paul is with James and they're in Jerusalem. This is when Paul gets caught, falsely accused and ends up in Rome, all that long story. But in chapter 21, Paul is telling James about how many thousands of Gentiles had been converted. And and it almost sounds like James got a little desperate and a little envious and a little worried. And then he said, Paul, come here. I want to show you how many thousands of Jews there are that believe. You know, there, there isn't just success on the Gentile part. There are still some Jews being, you've got to read it. Acts chapter 21. Because they came together. But Gentiles wanted to hear Jewish preachers. Gentiles wanted to hear the Jews. To them belonged the root and the fatness of the tree of the kingdom of God. They wanted to hear from the source. And that is why Peter, Peter wrote to the churches and the scattered Jews in those churches of Paul's area, Paul's territory. Paul was sent to the, to the uncircumcision. Peter was sent to the circumcision. But in First and 2 Peter, Peter wrote to those Jewish converts in Paul's churches... To know that from the source, from Peter, there was no difference in Peter and Paul's doctrine. And so what did, what did Paul do to return the favor? He wrote the book of Hebrews for those apostles that were still in Judea. That's why he doesn't tell who he was when he wrote that book. Because they didn't like Paul because he spent his life with the Gentiles. So how does the book of Hebrews start? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by the will of God to combat Jewish legalism in Judea? No. Hebrew starts out with God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past, and the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And at that point, what's a Jewish converted audience going to say? Amen. Paul, the Holy Spirit is brilliant, and Paul and Peter were brilliant. I just want to bring it together for you to understand Isaiah 61 and verse 6. The Gentiles wanted to hear a Jewish preacher because they were the ones that were administering the gospel of God in the beginning. It was all Jews doing it. That's verses 4 through 6. Verses 7 through 9 are the restoration of Judah to include prosperity. Verses 7 through 9. For your shame, ye shall have double. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be unto them. For I, the Lord, love judgment. I hate robbery for burnt offering. And I will direct their work in truth. And I will make them an everlasting covenant with them. And their seed shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed. I would hope that you would be able to do a pretty good job yourself explaining those three verses as it describes God making up to the Jewish church for having sent them to Babylon for 70 years. In verse 7, they were shamed there, they were confused there, but they're going to get double in the New Testament kingdom of Jesus Christ, and I've already mentioned this in the first service, so I'm just blowing over it. This is where you have three persons in five verses. You have a second person jumps to the third person, and in verse 10, it jumps to the first person. The same group of people. It's the Jewish church. The Jewish church in the time of Isaiah, and in the time of Jeremiah, and the time of Ezekiel, was put to shame By having their city leveled to the ground and being taken captive into Babylon. The Bible says, I will cause you to be a hissing in the earth. That everyone that goes by your city is going to hiss at the city of Jerusalem. But I will recover you out of that place and then I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to give you double for the pain I caused you in Babylon. This is Isaiah 61. This is God's blessing on the Jewish church. This is why the first two imperative verbs That open chapter 60 should get us. Arise. Shine. Thy light is come. The change is coming. (laughs) It's it's simple to him that understandeth. But all of you understand. Embrace it. And for confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. What was the portion of Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, Simeon, and Anna? Go read it. Go see if they were happy at all. They were thrilled out of their minds. Zacharias, you know, he couldn't speak for nine months. When the Lord opened up that mouth, he went off. He went off in Luke chapter 1. Listen, if you want a blessing, if you have a spiritual heart for the things of Jesus Christ, for the fourth time, I'm going to list them for you. Zacharias, Elizabeth, Mary, Simeon, Anna. It's a commentary on Isaiah 60 through 62. It'll light you up. You will see so many similar words and the joy they had. The joy they had. They shall possess the double. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. What land? What land is this? You know, it's using Old Testament terminology. It's the land of the kingdom of heaven. It, you know, it's the land that's going to just go on right into heaven. It was the, the city that hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God, that Abraham was looking for. And everlasting joy shall be unto them. It's never going to be taken away. We're never going to be sent to Babylon again. You said, but what about the martyrs? They were, they were pushed around by mystery Babylon. Oh, yes. But didn't they have everlasting joy? Did we ever hear a testimony of the martyrs that died that weren't filled with joy? even as they were burning, God, God took care of them. Amen. They are under his altar. Amen. God took care of every one of them. Verse 7 is, is precious. You're going to get double. I'll make it up to you. I'm going to make it up to you by making a covenant with you. I'm going to give you double. You're going to have everlasting joy forever. I'm never going to take your joy away. Well, is that all you're going to do for us? No, because I'm going to do verse 8 for you. Because I, the Lord, love judgment And I hate robbery for burnt offering. I am sick of what you've been doing to me in Isaiah 58, Isaiah chapter 1, and what you Jews were notorious for, and that is hiding under my ceremonial religion with your wickedness. I I hate that. And I am not going to put up with that because I, the Lord, love judgment and you are guilty of robbery for burnt offering. You will rob and bring part of it and offer it on my altars to cover your sins with ceremonial religion. I want you to think of Psalm chapter 50 and Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah 58, where we were last time. But I will teach you and I will change you and I'm going to give you new character. Look at this. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them. There's an everlasting covenant in verse 8. There's an everlasting covenant in verse 7. In verse 7, it's everlasting joy. In verse 8, it's righteousness. I'm going to change their character. I'm going to change their nature to where they're, want to, where they're, want, they're going to want to do right. Because I love judgment, and I'm going to give them judgment. And if we go back to like Isaiah 50 or Isaiah 11, where it describes the character of the Lord Jesus Christ, he shall not judge after the hearing of his ears. He won't judge after the sight of his eyes. He's going to judge righteous judgment. And he has taught us how to judge righteous judgment. Do you know how much this this sentence, this clause means to me? I will have mercy and not sacrifice. That saves a minister's life. That saves a minister's life. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Mark chapter 2, the same event. That kind of righteousness and that kind of judgment and that kind of fairness and that kind of, because the Lord has regenerated us, saved us, and implanted his word and his spirit in us to degrees that he didn't in the Old Testament. And that's verse 8. So you want to, do you really want to play with the word double? I'll let you play with the word double this way. He gave them double by giving them verses 7 and 8. In verse 7, it was everlasting joy. And in verse 8, it's judgment instead of the way that they had lived for so long. Verse 9, and their seed shall be known among the Gentiles. The Jewish church became known. Paul went everywhere telling them about what had happened in Jerusalem and their offspring among the people. The descendants of the Jewish church would be known among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them that they are the seed which the Lord hath blessed as the Gentiles were preached the gospel and they were told about Jesus of Nazareth and they were told about the 12 apostles, they were told about the women, they were told about Jesus' burial, they were told about his resurrection, they were told about him proving himself alive by many infallible proofs for 40 days, all that information, they recognized that there was a group of people on earth that were the most blessed people on earth and all this, this channel of God's blessing had come through the Jewish church and they would acknowledge and that they would admit, this is the seed which the Lord hath blessed and it's not the whole nation because the last time I checked the last time I checked in a time magazine this is back then the last time I checked in time magazine Titus had Jerusalem surrounded and was going to level it to the ground so it's this remnant of Jews that fled the city of Jerusalem went across Jordan hid in the mountains of Petra Arabia and were preserved and the Gentiles said, this is the seed blessed of the Lord. They escaped everything. They escaped Babylon. They escaped Rome and the city of Jerusalem. And they have been given the Son of God and the precious gospel of that Son to convey it to the world. Amen. So what should the Jews do with that? They jumped to the first person to make it really personal. And this is, this is Isaiah preaching it. This is Isaiah writing it. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. This is the Jewish church. This is the Jewish church that in the first clause of verse 7 is in the second person. And from there, through verse 9, are in the third person. And in verse 10, they're in the first person. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Isaiah speaking for them. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Why? For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has shown me the gospel news of salvation by Jesus Christ. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. I now know where my righteousness stands and how my practical righteousness can be accepted on high. And he has done this like a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels, God has clothed me and given me clothing to wear that I can shout and celebrate and rejoice in because I know how I'm saved, I know how I'm made righteous, and I know what kind of righteousness will please the Lord, and I get to pull that stuff on and celebrate. I get to rise, shine, for my light is come, and the glory of the Lord hath risen upon me. And then it jumps to another simile in verse 11. A simile is indicated by the word as or by the word Like. And we see in the middle of verse 10, as a bridegroom, and as a bride, as soon as you see the word as, just like a bride wants to dress herself up to look the best she possibly can for her bridegroom, and the bridegroom wants to look every bit the stud that he is, just like they take take efforts to do that, we want to put on the garments of salvation and righteousness through the gospel of Christ, we want that to be the center of our preaching, the center of our singing, the center of our conversations. And we want to do it with great zeal. We want to, our souls want to be joyful in it. We want our souls to delight themselves in the fatness of this gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. The simile in verse 11, for as, there it is, as the earth bringeth forth her bud. You know, every spring the earth buds. And as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth, there's an as again. You know, it just, it just explodes. When we During the winter, from our back deck, we can see a subdivision that's about a half mile away because we're on the edge of a valley looking down at the creek, and they're on the other side, a quarter of a mile away. And we can see them. But come spring, boom, nobody can see anything except green. And so we know this, you know this. You know it perfectly. As the earth bringeth forth her bud and explodes with growth in the spring, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it, like grape tomatoes to spring forth, so, as so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. I am going to bless the bless the Jewish church so much that they are going to explode with the gospel of salvation and the praise of the God that saves. This is Isaiah 60 and 61. Arise, shine. Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word. Amen.